1: Welcome, everybody, to the Five on the Floor podcast. This is your host, Alphonse Sidney. And before we get to tonight's episode about the terrible, horrible Brooklyn Nets game um, that we just finished watching, um, we're going to talk about our next watch party, which hopefully will go better than tonight. It's going to be, once again, at GQ's Craft House. If you guys remember last time we were at GQ's Craft House, the Heat beat the Bucks in double overtime without Jimmy Butler. So everybody who talks about the Five Reasons Curse, GQ's Craft House is not cursed. And one, and also, GQ's Craft House has great craft beer. Uh, it was a great time last time. We had 50 people show up. Uh, the place was raucous. Um, there were some videos online. We gave away T-shirts, memorabilia. They gave us some free appetizers. It was just a great time. So the next watch party is at GQ's Craft House. The heater playing the Thunder. It's next Friday night, January 17th. Uh, the game starts at 8 p.m. We'll be out there at 7 p.m. I'll be drunk by 7.30, 7.35. And uh, it's just going to be a great time. So anybody who's ever come out to our watch parties, win or lose, Five Reason Sports has a great time. All right, so that's next next Friday, January 17th, uh, Heat at Thunder. And the address for GQ's Craft House is wrong on the flyer because I had Giancarlo Navas from Heat do it. So, of course – he'd made a typo. It's 4497 North University Drive in Lauder Hill. So you, you, all you guys in uh, Central and North Broward, this one's for you. Come on out. Have a great time with us next Friday, January 17th, at GQ's Craft House. And now, tonight's show.
0: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Albon Sydney, a.k.a. Al954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, welcome back. Once again, I am your host, Alphonse Sydney. With me today is Greg Leif Sylvander, Lefty Leif on Twitter, the insider, Saucy Nuggets, Leif. Leif, I need you tonight because I need a dose of positivity. I am not one of these Heat fans that get apoplectic after every loss. That's a lie. I do get apoplectic after every loss, but I usually am able to um, contain my feelings. Tonight is not one of those nights. I saw a lot of offensive rebounds. I saw 21 second-chance points. Uh, It actually might be more. It was 21 second-chance points the last time I checked because I kind of checked out at the end of the game. I got pissed off and stopped paying attention. So there was a lot of – you had a Hungry Nets team off of a seven-game losing streak at home. What did you see? Let's talk about – okay, before we get into the negatives, negatives, let's talk about the first half. When the Nets came out firing, the Heat somehow sustained. They got back in it. They actually took the lead, went to, lead with, went to the second half with a 12-point lead. What did you see from the Heat in the first half?
2: I mean, the first half was, was good. And it's funny you say, you know, like the way that that game ended and um, needing a dose of positivity, that was a tough watch I mean, that was not the way you want to end games and particularly the way that they looked in the first half compared to the way they came out in the second half, they almost played the second half not to lose. Um, and I know that that's kind of cliche, but that, that really was kind of the vibe of the team. Um, no effort, uh, you saw, you know, those guys get into uh, what is Spoke them, the 50-50 balls. Um, and, you know, then Spencer Din- Dinwiddie is going crazy on us, um, had a great game. So it was, it was not fun. But honestly, three-game road trip, I expected to go two and one. I didn't know where the one loss would come from. I probably thought it was in Indy because historically we do not win in Indiana. So we got that game. So, you know, we lost this one to Brooklyn, got a rebound against New York. Um, so it, it's not that doom and gloom from my perspective.
1: It's it's not doom and gloom. It, it, we, even with the loss, they're still in second place in the Eastern Conference. All right, so uh, it's not time to panic or anything else because they were one and a half games up on the Boston Celtics entering tonight. So even with the loss, they're they're still in second place. Still the third best record in the league. Um, you had a team in in Brooklyn, like I said, coming off of a seven game losing streak. They're at home. You, the one thing I saw tonight is that the Heat have been winning these games, right? Down three, totally. 45 seconds left. They have found a way every single time. Tonight yeah. was bothersome because there's absolutely no reason they should have been in that position. It's not one of these games where they clawed back and they were down 12 with four minutes left. There were times in the fourth quarter they were up nine points, right? It, it just didn't it, – It they – They did not execute down the stretch and it's funny and I'll let you talk about it. They didn't execute against the zone, which is, I know it's
2: it's funny and ironic the way that that works out. And they, it's funny the way the nets came back. It wasn't in one burst. It was like they chipped away at it and they chipped away at it. And then all of a sudden we're down one. And then it's like the, the lid came on the basket and, uh, it was frustrating to watch. And then, like, you look at the box score to waste – between Jimmy and Bam, you get 55, 15, and nine assists, and you waste that game. Like, you got to get those games when you get a, a big Jimmy night, uh, particularly with the shooting stuff that we've seen. Bam was, you know, hitting key buckets down the stretch. But, you know, that was kind of too little too late in terms of the momentum. So, it was, it was, it was a very frustrating way to finish.
1: Well, you talk about a weird box score, right? So you you talked about the numbers from Jimmy and Bam. Jimmy and Bam were the two worst in plus minus in this game. <laughs> Somehow Bam was minus 16 and Jimmy was minus 15. The entire bench, they... James Johnson was plus nine. Darius Jones Jr., plus seven. Goran Dragic, who missed some big shots down the stretch, plus nine. Tyler Harrell, plus two. The entire starting lineup was in the, uh, was in the minus. So is it are we making are, is this is this gonna be one of these games where Heat Twitter, Heat fans are gonna make too much of what happened tonight? I
2: don't think so. But also that box score makes no sense to me. I think you're gonna need to have somebody like Nikaias come on to kind of explain <laughs> how that's possible that Bam and Jimmy can jump off the page as undoubtedly the best two players that carried us, but also are um, you know, having the the most uh negative you know, you know, plus minus. So it, that's a weird box score, but um, I don't think that the fan base is, is gonna overreact because they didn't lose positioning from a from a seating perspective. And we've seen that. I mean, they just can't lose two in a row. That's the whole thing. They haven't done it all year. All year. Let's see. Let's make sure that and it that better doesn't not happen. Be to, the,
1: um, now. to the stinking Knicks. Um, oh yes. But and look then, at this. Then
2: then we get frustrated. Then we then
1: <laughs> we can get apoplectic. Look at this. They. Only seven turnovers tonight. Yeah, they took care they of the ball in that game. And but they scored enough. They scored enough. No One hundred thirteen points against Brooklyn should be enough. Um, you, talk, you You the second. Uh, Brooklyn is the second worst team in the league um, when it comes to three point percentage. Tonight, they shot it from three. They shot thirty four percent from three. The Heat unfortunately shot. 24 percent and this is something i talked about with alex the last time the heat lost when the heat aren't hitting their threes they're not winning games yeah i mean
2: they're the the second best three point three point shooting team in the league for a reason and like that's been a huge strength the gravity that duncan robinson and tyler hero and them guys give um opens everything up and if those baskets aren't going in there it is not pretty at all the offense gets really really stagnant um they were you know it kind of looked like a little bit of the old Miami Heat. I mean, Goran had some moments that were good, but um, it, it, it was a tough ending.
1: And, you know, you have Derek. And one of the things we talk about on this on this uh, show, we talk about who's the five on the floor at the end of the game. And as much as I love how Derrick Jones Jr. has been playing um, the lockdown defense, he's just – he's not They're the le- guy. They left
2: him wide open.
1: And they, you're you're playing four on five at that point because – they don't respect him from the perimeter because he's, what, a 24% three-point shooter on the year, and <laughs> he missed a big three at the end of the game pretty predictably, right? So, um Derrick Jones Jr. had a good game, but he was over for four from three. So, it looks to me like when you look at this box score, you look at the last couple of times the Heat have lost, if the Heat aren't hitting those three-point shots, it's... It's very hard for them to win these games unless they have one of those tremendous defensive efforts like they had against Toronto. Tonight was not a defensive game. This game was this game was up and down all game long, and also the rebounding. So you have two things: when the Heat don't win the rebounding battle, and when they we don't they don't shoot the three point uh, when they don't shoot three pointers very well, they're gonna lose games. And we've been talking about turnovers all year. But no matter how high the turnovers are, the Heat can seem to – they can get away with that as long as they out-rebound and they, and they shoot the three very well. It doesn't. So the, even at a seven-turnover game, it just doesn't matter if the Heat aren't, aren't hitting their shots.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- this roster was built for shooters. Like, if you talk about the ceiling and the floor of this season, it all has to do – do and is predicated on them shooting well like I feel like this team that we saw tonight and the way that they shot if this is who showed up most of the time we would be talking about an eight seed type team which a lot of fans and um, media uh, you know pundits said that that's where the heats range was going to be where the upside always was was if all these guys were hitting shots and that's what they've done all season so they that, this roster is built that way they need the shooters to make shots and uh, it just didn't happen tonight.
1: Um, let's talk about a positive because today there was a Bleacher Report video on the timeline that got spread around where they were talking about how the, the makeup of the Eastern Conference All-Stars has really changed over the last year with so many stars uh, moving west, Kawhi Leonard, and so many guys uh, ra- coming rising to prominence. And they, 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 play, they based 75% of the video on Bam Adebayo. You looked at Bam tonight. Bam was facing a guy in Jared Allen who is known uh, to, for protecting the rim, known for being a shot blocker, known for being a guy that's just very, very difficult to post up and score on. And Bam ate his lunch all night long. And, that, and with a series of different moves, jump shots, uh, little runners, touch shots, layups, dunks, up and unders, footwork, uh, he was. He had what five or six assists, just doing everything tonight.
2: Man, the stutter step, pull up jump shot. I did not think I was going to see Bam Adebayo taking that shot this season. I thought that that was maybe like a next year kind of evolution moment. Um, so it's it's crazy to watch how the ascension that you know. Every game it seems like he 's like bringing out just a little something different. You see him flash it, maybe like a week ago you see him flash that stutter step jumper, but then he actually executes it a week later, and like it feels like that 's happening week after week.
1: When I talked to him in the uh, in the locker room, one of the things he said about his aggressiveness as far as when he 's facing the basket, not to mention the fact that listen, he 's bringing the ball up a ton he 's running point a ton. From the five or the four position, whatever you want to call it, but that the is fact
2: insane that, <laughs> people don't real that is insane that that is all of a sudden what has happened. Sorry to interrupt.
1: You're you're looking at Derrick Jones Jr. gets the ball out of, um, on the inbounds and he looks directly at Bam. You would think in that situation, <laughs> Derrick Jones Jr. is going to bring the ball. No, he beat, no, no Bam. You're the guy. You're the one. You're the one who starts our offense. And the fact that he's so aggressive facing the basket, and we used to talk about this all the time. And he would face the basket, and the first thing he would do is look to pass. And the league got used to that, and now he's taking advantage of that, right, where he does these Kelly keepers, uh, except it's not an up-and-under layup. He's dunking on fools' heads, right? And it's the aggressiveness and the confidence. And when I talked to him about it, he said, it's not just the coaching staff, it's his teammates. And, and he calls it a battery, right? He said, it's a battery in your back. He's like, if your teammates are saying it, your coaches are saying it, everyone's telling you to be aggressive. If you have that behind you, you it, you can't be stopped. And it looked like tonight he had all of that put together.
2: Yep. No, totally. I mean, it, it's happening week week over week over week. It's just unfortunate that they kind of squandered that performance because yeah, you're going to get the, the the fifteen and fifteen nights out of him, and and that's going to happen. But the primary. Sc- Scoring stuff that he did tonight, and actually like getting buckets. That that those kind of Bam nights are not necessarily, I would say, his forte yet. But you can see there where the um, evolution is going to come next. Uh, so that that's a positive to take. That's something that we can be uh, feeling good about when we wake up tomorrow.
1: And Jimmy has a huge night tonight, right? A uh, super efficient, thirty-three points. I mean, offensively dominant, but. What what does it say to you that these nights where Jimmy's offensively dominant are a lot of times those are the nights that the Heat lose? Because
2: Miami Heat basketball is about ball movement and team, you know, team basketball. And like, I know that that's some cliche culture stuff to say, but truthfully, when this offense is is really scary is when you don't know where it's coming from and they're you know everyone's flying around the ball's whipping from side to side and they're hitting shots and uh and trust me we're going to need the 33 point 35 point jimmy playoff game those are going to be necessary to advance so you want you want a guy that can go get that kind of um um you know that kind of scoring and do it efficiently but honestly, like most nights, we would rather let him get his 21, get his 22, and have everybody else shooting at their normal clips.
1: Yeah. And it's when this team wins, you have six, seven guys in double figures, right? Um, you don't have two guys being dominant like they were tonight. And I'm it's, not to say these guys were selfish in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. yeah they no did way. what they had to do because of the way the team was playing. You had four guys in double figures tonight, which is not a recipe for for the heat to win. You had Kendrick Nunn with 10 and he scored I think 8 of those in the first quarter and then you had Goran Dragons with 17 and he came up he came up short a little bit late. Um, and then you just did, you just did not have the rebounding tonight. You didn't have the defense. One of the things I'll talk about bam again is there were a couple of times where Spencer Dinwiddie got the switch and we've talked about this time and time again. This was one one of the first games where I just I saw the guard not even try bam. Where they yeah. where they saw the switch and Dinwiddie was just like, ah, this is it's a waste of my time. Let me pass it over to Karis Levert or somebody else. It's almost um, like
2: them Zach Lowe articles are getting circulated.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do not think the BAM switch is a positive for you. It really isn't. Um, I guess the next thing we can do is look to, we talked about BAM um, we talked about the fact that he has just been stellar. The, the buzz around the league now is Bam belongs in the All-Star Game, and everybody getting all silly about Taco Fall having more votes than him. Who cares? Remember that fan vote only counts for fifty percent now, right? Of the of the starting lineup. That's correct. So so it doesn't matter. The coaches know how good Bam is. Even if he's not a starter, who cares? Jimmy Butler, if he's not a starter, who cares? You're going to have two two all-stars this year. So Heat fans, everyone calm down. I see people uh, getting worried about Duncan Robinson not getting an invite to the three-point contest. Nobody's gotten an invite to the three-point contest yet. So everyone just needs to calm the hell down about all this stuff. All right. So um, when we come back from break, we're going to have Ethan Skolnick on who is, was at the game tonight, who witnessed this monstrosity. And uh, he'll give us his takes next.
3: Hey, good to be with you. We actually got John Kozan here, too. You follow him at Brass Jazz. So Both of us were up here covering the game at Barclays. Uh, before we get to anything, though, Al, we have a sponsor for this segment. So I'm going to introduce everybody to that sponsor. Are you guys there right now? And no, Alave can't be because he's not in Florida. Are you at the new gold club right now, Alphonse? Are you, no, are you there? I'm, is that where you're camped out?
1: No, I'm going after this because I need to drown my sorrows.
3: All right. Well, go drown your sorrows there. A great place to do it. They're open every day. The new Gold Club in Pompano Beach. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. Of course, it's in Pompano.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. No, it's re- right, real close to Powerline Road
3: and Copens Road. So if you're familiar with that area, that's where it is. But it's not just the gentleman's Club. Also, the ladies are welcome. Not just welcome, but they're free all the time. So if you have a girlfriend, you've got a wife, you've got both, bring them to the new Gold Club. And here's the thing also, they've got a kitchen open all night long. And like I said, no charge for women. If you go on Mondays, $5.00. You call it. You basically bring your glass and they fill it up all night for five bucks. So that's the new gold club in Topano Beach. And that's a siren behind me out. I'm not exactly sure why. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so I'm here with John. And this is a much different podcast than I was expecting. Let's do this. I don't want to sort of rehash everything for our listeners. But what was your one takeaway each so I can kind of play off of this?
1: Um, I think we both decided uh, that – the game was terrible. No <laughs> we, we talked about the fact that when the heat lose a rebounding battle and when they sh- when they shoot poorly from three it 's very hard for them to win and that uh, and then we also just took away from the fact that bam is one thousand percent in all.
2: Yeah, and yeah. the other the other big thing that I just think can't be ignored is that when you get 55, 15, and nine from Jimmy and Bam as a duo to waste that and lose that game, yeah, that hurts. You you got to get those.
1: Well, it's I interesting. Figure out that
5: I, I can't I can't figure out at this point why when Jimmy it seems like the more Jimmy scores, the more likely we are to lose. And I that, I never going into the season I never thought that was going to be the case.
3: Yeah, that's been a weird thing all, all year. I, you know, I gave that stat out a couple times here. They're now 12-2 and two when Jimmy has five field goals or fewer. He got to five field goals in about the first six minutes tonight. Um, they're actually – what's even crazier is they're 16-3 this season when Jimmy doesn't play or has five field goals or fewer. I, I, it's like as well as you said, it's not like they don't want him to score, but it does seem like sometimes when he's scoring a lot that other guys don't get involved. Uh, here's a couple takeaways for me. It's interesting to me that you're talking about Bam being an all-star tonight because while I agree with you, I don't think Bam was particularly good tonight for him. Um, The stat line was really good, but there was no physicality there at all. Like, if you look at those offensive rebounds late in the game, you know, he was letting guys get behind him. Um, I I think what you really saw at the end of that game is there are going to be some games that they need another big next to him. Because when it's him and DJJ or him and Duncan Robinson – if Bam is not rebounding consistently, and I know they had a pretty good JJ stint tonight, then they're going to have problems on the backboard. They just are. And and I so I thought his numbers looked really good, but I don't think this was the kind of Bam game that I think he's, he's sort of made his mark with. The other thing I would say is they got to look better against the zone. Um, you know, they used it against Philly, but it was really effective against them tonight. And we we just got out of the locker room. And Drogic was asked why Butler didn't touch the ball more at the end of the game. And he said, well, the zone took us out of our offense. So they've got to clean that up also.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's so ironic that the zone uh, would throw them for a loop the way that they did. But uh, it, it goes back to this this roster and this offense is built. They, they need the shooters to make shots. The The high upside of this team was always going to be that if the shooters were – we're hitting shots and tonight they didn't see that and with bam I, I kind of agree with you in the from the standpoint of sign of the intangible stuff that he does and some of the passing and getting other guys involved defense effort particularly in the second half we didn't quite see the same uh, bam out of bio that we normally see but i think a, some of that can be attributed to the fact that uh he had to carry more of the offensive load he was actually looking to to get his shot and they were going to him a bit there um and that kind of took away from maybe some of the other aspects of his game
1: i one of the things and uh, so a few people pointed out on twitter uh you guys john i guess give your take Derek jones jr in the closing lineup the fact that they don't have to respect him from the perimeter um he he took a three missed it poorly uh in in the last in the last uh the last few seconds of the game what did you see from Derrick Jones, Jones Jr. at the end of the game? Does he belong out there with, like Ethan likes to say, the five on the floor to close the game? Oh, man, I don't know. Not, I'm not sure when you need points that he's the guy
5: you want shooting a three. Um, so, I, I mean, defensively, he brings a lot to the table, but I, I, just, I don't think he was the one that really should have taken that shot at that moment. I mean, with like 10 seconds left, I think, uh, yeah, down by I, three.
2: They kind of were just leaving him. He was the guy to leave open. Yeah. Uh,
5: You know, you hope that he
2: can defensively make up for that and that he can be uh, dynamic enough offensively uh, in transition that he can still get minutes. But as the game slows down in the playoffs, it is something to think about. And Ethan alluded to it earlier about needing another big. This DJJ at the four thing, it works out well most of the time. But when the game slows down, if he is not – impacting the game in the ways that he does, particularly offensively and with some of the rebounding and defensive stuff, like, then what? you got to go to somebody else, and that's where, um, you know, you kind of get in a weird spot if uh, J.J. and K.O. are not playing well.
1: Is, is this one of the games where they miss Justice and, or a James yeah. Johnson type at the end of a game?
3: Yeah, well, I, look, I thought J.J. played pretty well today. I mean, we say they miss Justice, but I mean, we have to get to the point where we just have to assume they're not going to have Justice this right yep, like, are we correct are we gonna are we gonna do this after every game i mean i can i can i address that a little bit too and then we'll get back to this djj topic um there, there was a report today or it was thrown out there was a report i'm not really sure it was a report uh, ira you know uh, i said get sent on the radio something to the effect and i didn't hear it so this is secondhand and then i think it got misinterpreted on twitter and some other places but something to to the effect of you know, that Justice uh, wanted to get out there and the team was, quote unquote, babying him. Um, and again, I, I don't know that Ira put it in those terms. so I don't want to misquote him, but I can tell you that I've heard the exact opposite. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't really know what to make of that, um, you know, because I've heard all along. that, the, And I think you have, Leif, and I know others, pretty, pretty prominent people who follow the Heat in the media uh, have similar inf- information to me because um, we've shared it. And we've gotten it from different places, but it's all the same, which is basically that, you know, they've wanted justice to, to push through it. And, and it's been more of a pain tolerance issue and a diagnosis issue. And so that's where that is right now. And, now, you know, he tries to come back. And then it wasn't just that they ruled him out for tonight. I mean, Bolster ruled him out immediately for Sunday. Uh, I, you know, and, and this is kind of why I said on the podcast about a week and a half ago, I thought it was going to be a while for justice. Because that was the information that I had, particularly after he went and got another opinion. Um, and then all of a sudden he was back. <laughs> right. But and maybe there was some kind of a meeting in the minds there. But now he's gone again. And so I, I think Alf, we got to stop doing that. You know what I mean? Like he was saying, well, if they had justice, like I I'm, until I see justice play like three consecutive weeks. I'm going to assume they're not going to have justice. Well, that's see, why you know, doing, it, it, I threw
1: in the James Johnson caveat there. So. Well, well,
3: well, well, he, 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 well, he, well, he can be. But the thing is, look, JJ made a couple threes tonight, but he's not a plus three point shooter either. The, the reality is that really the guy who was supposed to be playing in those minutes with Bam was Kelly. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the season and you were to say, okay, who's going to be the player, the big out there with Bam late in game? Ko. You know who could who could make a three and handle the ball was Kelly, right? But he's completely fallen out of rotation. I almost feel like we've given that short shrift. Like, we've just kind of assumed he's out of it now because he hasn't played well. But they were counting on him at the beginning of this season. So I don't know if it's the knee injury from, from you know, playing with the Canadian team or what. But he's not in the mix. And so what's happened now is you don't really have a set closing five. Because uh, you don't have Winslow. You don't have a Linux. And, you know, tonight, you know, look, he's always going to lean on Dragic, okay? Um, and I understand why he's always going to lead on Dragos. None got very few minutes tonight after the beginning of each of each, uh, beginning since, but he's always going to lead on Goron. but you know, Goran over dribbled a little bit tonight. And of course with Goran out there, you're small. So I, I just don't think that they're going to have, you know, a set closing lineup uh, this entire season. It's going to be Jimmy and it's going to be bam. And the other three guys are going to switch
2: off. And, and I think that there definitely stands to be some, um, at least you should, take a gander at what consolidating some of this looks like. And I don't know that they're going to be able to pull anything like that off, uh, you know, without attaching assets and things like that. But, you know, Kelly can be a useful player elsewhere. So you would think that maybe you would start to look at ways that you could plug a new guy in that maybe would fit and is playing better now um, because you're right. I mean, they are got kind of one guy short to close games.
1: Next game is going to be uh, on Sunday against the Knicks. If the, if the Heat are able to come away from this road trip, like Leif was saying earlier, they're on a three-game road trip, If they can come away two and one, um, even despite tonight's disappointing loss, do you consider this a successful road trip? I'll start with you, Bryce.
5: I mean, yeah, but not, I, not in this order. I mean, I sort of expected, you know, Indiana to, to, to cause a little bit of a headache. And, well, that was, that was a cakewalk. Compared to this. Great minds um, think alike. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the Knicks, I, I just – I never trust the Knicks to, to just roll over for us. So, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, on the road, we're, we're an average road team. You know, the Heat are an average road team. And So, if you get uh, two and one, you know, I'll take it. I, I
3: think what's interesting about it, getting to what John's saying, we've had a couple of situations lately where the Heat have beat the team we didn't think they were going to beat. And lost to the team we thought they were going to beat. And, and, and I think uh, that, that's not what was happening early in the season, right? But now all of a sudden it's kind of flipped where they've had some bad, bad losses. You know, Memphis is playing much better lately. So I, I don't know if that was such a bad loss. But, they, but they, you know, they had the loss in Memphis – you know, a couple of others, the Washington loss, and then they've beaten, come back and beaten good teams, beaten the Toronto, beaten the Philadelphia, right, beaten Indiana. Um, and so, look, uh, Sunday is a gimme. I mean, it should be. I mean, if they don't win Sunday, there's real issues. Okay? So, so I, I think they'll win Sunday. They're going to keep that stat alive that they haven't lost back-to-back games. Uh, they're going to be 28 and 11, which is nearly a 60-win pace again. And, you know, they're pretty close to that magic 30 and 11 number, guys, which we all know what that means. Um, and, you know, and, and it's going to be a terrific first half of the season, and they're going to be in a position for Spolcher to coach the All-Star team, which is something he doesn't want to do. But I, I just think that when you look at it, uh, you know, we keep calling them a mediocre road team. I mean, they are, but Jason Jackson made the point in the locker room when he was asking a question that only a third of the teams in the league are above 500 on the road. So – it's not that uncommon to be 500 on the road and still be considered a good team. I think the issue is more this focus thing on the road. Dragic touched on, he said, the effort and the energy were fine. The focus was not there. And that's kind of what I saw tonight is that, you know, they were losing, they get 20 seconds into a possession and then lose a guy, right. Or, or let somebody leak through for an offensive rebound. They've got to commit more, you know, to the entire clock. And the other thing is, this is a try-hard team, okay? They can't start to think they're really good because when that happens, this thing could fall apart pretty quickly.
1: I think and that's one one of the things I saw tonight, Ethan. Every time they went up by 7, 9, 12, they seemed to relax instead of put their foot on the throat of yeah. a bad team. And this was a yep. team that with, with a bunch of uh, what he, Twitter would call random scrub heat killers where – you didn't know where it was coming from. So if they relaxed for even a second, you had guys I – I can't even pronounce that French guy's name who was going nuts, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like, right, well, right? And at
2: the beginning of the season, they were winning these games. The games that you thought they were going to win, they were winning every single one of them. So that's like right. another thing is when you see a little bit of that regression, you start to think is this a little bit of a mental thing that they are, they're feeling themselves a little bit, which you know is a little bit human nature, but something that can be corrected.
1: And we talked but about these the bad fact losses. That they were, uh, sorry, John. Go ahead.
5: No, sorry. These bad losses—they're stupid. They're stupid and they're unforgivable. <laughs> However, I at the end of the day, uh, you know, w- when you get into playoff time, um, I I trust this team to step up. Though um, I don't, I still don't think any. mostly losses tonight, in particular, there's nothing to really take away from it, um, other than. Like Dragić said in locker room, it's 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 a focus issue, which they can they could do, they can mentally overcome that. Um, so I still think that this team uh, is is gonna kind of get things together uh, later in the season. And, and they haven't lost.
1: Post-season. And they haven't lost many of these games where it came down to the final few seconds, final minute. This is one of the first games they lost where, where they lost a ton of these last year where. Within four, four or five points in the last minute of the game, they just couldn't execute down the stretch. This was, one of the first time, this, this was one of the first times we saw them just completely lack any kind of execution in the last 90 seconds of a game. Whereas before, <laughs> I mean, you almost felt, you felt good th- with, with 45 seconds left and the heat down by three. You knew they were going to mm-hmm. pull something out of their ass. But tonight it just was not there. They could not summon it. And, you know, just going forward, it just it, – at the end of the day, we know that this is a good team and that this was a one-off instead of where last year we felt like this was more of – last few years where we felt like this was more of the norm where you get – where it's within five in the last 90 seconds and you're, you, just, you just feel like the heat are going to collapse down the stretch.
3: Yeah, I mean, true.
1: Um, You know, but with that being said, I I think
3: we have to put this into context, right? Like, if you looked at this before the season, you would say we're 27-11 at this point, and Eric Spolster would be this angry about one road loss, you would feel pretty good about it because the expectations have risen so much. I mean, that's really where they're at. I mean, you know, uh, whatever we thought they were going to be before the year, and I know all of us thought they would be better than a lot of the national Um, I don't think that we any of us thought they'd be here, right? And but but clearly Spolster has raised the bar now. He's making the point this is not good enough, all right. And so I think we have to evaluate this team slightly differently now, and 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 because they're evaluating it differently, if they're going to make a run this year, they need to play more physically. I I I don't think they're going to win a ton of playoff games playing the way they did tonight from a physicality standpoint they were it's not just the 50 50 balls that they talked about but it was just it was they did not impose themselves on Brooklyn at all from the very beginning and even though they took that lead and scored 69 in the first half the threes the easy threes that the Nets were getting early in the game I thought kind of set the tone for everything and Jimmy spoke to that after the game you know we asked him about his defense the defense I asked kind of what was the biggest problem is the perimeters and inside. He kinda said it's everything and it was from the very beginning. And I I think they have to get back to a defensive mentality every game because the offense for them, it it will be there, I think, but but I also think there like you said, there are some issues. You know, they're gonna play Derek Jones Jr. more minutes, they're gonna have to deal with twenty five percent three point shooting. You know, I mean people used to complain about justice. He shot thirty eight percent from three the past two years. Okay, so that's a significant (laughs) drop off. So these are things they need to figure out. I, I don't think like I said, one loss, you know, in, in January is not the end of the world, but there are things they need to work through and, and not having a useful Kelly Olenek is, is hurting them, not having justice Winslow and we don't know when has hurt them, but they got to make do with what they've got. So that's it. Any, any closing thoughts, Leif, before we are, we, we end this one. Uh,
2: I have a solution to all their problems. Just make sure that they have home court and they're good.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> That's true. The Embiid injury helps with that, so we'll see where that goes. All right, that's Ethan Skolnick, Greg Slavander, Alphonse Sidney headed to the Gold Club, John Kozan, who's down the hall for me right now. I'm leaving Brooklyn. Um, I'll be at practice tomorrow. We'll have a bunch of content on Five Reasons Sports. I'll be at the Knicks game on Sunday, uh, and I got a piece coming out. I talked to pretty much every player on the roster about their first encounter with Jimmy Butler when he came to Miami, and I got some pretty good stories, so That'll be uh, on Monday or Tuesday. Check out Guts Check with with Leif on Tuesday. Nikias Duncan obviously has his launching pad on Monday. And thanks again to Seltzer Mayberg, another of our great sponsors. Find them at OneCallLegal.com. Make sure to spell it out, O-N-E, CallLegal.com. Someone there 24 hours a day to handle your legal claim, whether it's immigration, personal injury, or just about anything else. So go to Seltzer Mayberg. Again, that's OneCallLegal.com. Thanks for holding it down, guys.